stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Please 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 stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Good morning from Rick Bonfin Ministries. Hope you're doing well today. Um, keeping cool in these hot, hot days. Um, we are finishing up, finally, John 17. Seems like we started this a long time ago. We kind of took a break and had some other people come in to teach. So I'm going to finish the last few verses of John 17 this morning. And um, starting with verse 20, this, this um, passage here has just always been mind-blowing for me. Listen to what Jesus says here in the presence of his disciples as he's praying to his Father. He says, I do not ask in behalf of these alone, meaning the twelve that were around him, <clears throat> but for those also who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be in us. I am in John um, 17, verse 21. That the world may believe that thou didst send me. This has just always blown my mind. Here is Jesus. The recorded word shows him praying for me. Praying for us. And it says that he prays not only for those that were there with him as he was offering this prayer, but for those who would believe in him through their word. This is recorded here in the Gospel of John. How many people start with the Gospel of John and that's how they come to know Jesus, right? And however you came to know Jesus, if you know him, he is praying, Kaylee, for you here. Doesn't that kind of blow your mind? You know that Jesus loves you. He went to the cross for you. He, he intercedes for you. But that he said, I'm not just praying for those that are right now in this room. I'm praying for everyone who will believe in me through their word. John wrote this gospel. Many people have come to know Jesus, Rick, through the reading of the gospel of John. That means he's praying for those people. Or however you came to know him. And that's just... Um, it, it's sweet, it's touching, it's, it's amazing that it's recorded in the gospel that Jesus said, I know these, I'm praying for everyone out there that's going to believe through the, through the word of these disciples. 
Peter and James and John. And what did he pray? That we be in unity. And I believe this goes not just horizontal. I believe it goes through time. The great cloud of witnesses that Hebrews 11 talks about, that we are in unity with the body of Christ, not just in our present day, but as the body of Christ since it was conceived and, and born, that we be in unity. And he says there's a purpose in that unity that the world may believe that it would be a testimony, that it would bring salvation to the world, right? Um, We were commenting, Cindy, you and I were commenting last week, I think that just over the last couple weeks, it's like there's been a theme. The Holy Spirit's been speaking about two primary things, prayer and unity, right? We've had some guest speakers come in, Kyung Kim, Andy Hines, um, Frank Appel, Matt gave a great teaching one morning, and it just seems like, God is, the Holy Spirit is saying, there's two things I want to develop in you. (laughs) There's two things I want you in. I want you in prayer, and I want you in unity. And, excuse me, that, um, that really, I think that means something to us right now, because a spirit of unity and a spirit of prayer is a totally opposite spirit of what's happening in the world. We are just seeing everywhere dissension and hate, and then, opposite of the spirit of prayer is self-opinion, self-assertion, argument, you know, <clears throat> as opposed to submitting all things to God and asking that his will be done. So I think it's very fitting that we're talking about these things. This seems to be the theme of the Holy Spirit for us right now. And Jesus prayed this very thing for us, that we would be in unity. Which, And what he's praying for is not something that we can accomplish ourselves. That's why he had to pray for us. (laughs) It isn't something that... um, I I had to go and look up the dictionary. How how is unity defined in the dictionary? So I looked up dictionary.com, and this is just straight out of the dictionary. Unity is defined like this. The state of being one or oneness. Two, a whole or totality as combining all parts into one. Three, the state or fact of being united or combined into one as of the parts of a whole. Four, absence of diversity, unvaried or uniform character. And five, this is one I fell on, oneness of mind, feeling, etc. as among a number of persons, concord, harmony, or agreement. How many times have you seen in a church a banner or a poster that says something about unity, a creed, you know, this is one of our goals, um, as a principle or a value or a goal? Um, How are we doing with that? (laughs) Not so good. good. Then I, um, this dictionary.com, it's got all kinds of interesting stuff. It gave um, words related to unity, concepts that are, related to it, peace, agreement, consensus, harmony, identity, integrity, solidarity, unison, alliance, consent, concurrence, integral, sameness, uniformity. That just got my mind going like, gosh, there's all kinds of things that we could call unity 
reasons why we could come into consensus or agreement. We might do it because of fear of man. We might come into agreement because of fear of rejection. We better do this or else, you know, we'll be rejected. We might come into agreement, consensus, because someone is telling us what to think. So we say, okay, we'll think that way. We could come into consensus because we just don't like conflict. We want to avoid um, discord. So we're just going to be passive and say, okay, you know. We can come into consensus or agreement from a desire to please, to be nice, to be a peacekeeper. And actually, there's very evil movements out there in the world right now who are demonstrating more agreement or unity (laughs) than the body of Christ. Would you agree? So that kind of unity or agreement is soulish. It's human. It's somewhat, it's, it's sometimes plain evil to come into agreement for the sake of coming into agreement or for another purpose. That's not, that's not what Jesus prayed for. I, want, I wanted to differentiate that. There's different kinds of agreement or unity. What he's praying for us is something that is so miraculous and so far above human capability and not motivated by human um, motivations. What, Matt? Motive, yes. Because if my motive of coming into agreement is I just don't want to be rejected or I just don't want to be persecuted or I just want to please, then I'm not serving God. I'm serving myself, right? So he's praying for something. I want us to differentiate. What does he really want to see in us? That he says that they, his disciples he was with, and us, the ones he was praying for, that would believe through their word, that they may be in us. So what he's saying is, you, Matt, submitted in alignment with him, with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and me submitted to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's the beginning of our coming into unity. Not our personalities meshing and agreeing and our opinions agreeing and our agendas agreeing, but it totally has to do with relationship with him, right? That's his definition. That's what he's praying for. And another thing, to be perfectly unified, I guess I would have if you'd asked me just straight out, like give me your knee-jerk answer, Betty, I would have thought that requires perfect people. (laughs) How can we be in perfect unity if we have problems, if we have sins, if we have flaws and faults? You know what I mean? But I don't believe Jesus assumed that. In fact, he knows that we're but dust. He knows that we have problems. So you and I are not sinless. We are not perfect. We're not always right about everything. (laughs) But Jesus prays that you and I, with our sin, with our faults, in our battles, not always right, but looking to him, looking to him, he can give us a gift of unity, even where we're at. That, that really encouraged me as I thought that through, because I would think this unity would require everybody is just exactly perfect. <laughs> and that would make it impossible. Again, this is why Jesus had to pray this for us, because it's something that is beyond us 
as human beings. Is this getting through at all? Okay. Um, Paul wrote about this to the church at Ephesus. And um, I thought we'd take a minute and look over there because it just kind of develops it a little bit more. Ephesians chapter 4, if you turn there with me. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, entreat you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing forbearance to one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. The unity of the Spirit. That's where it's found. It's found in the Holy Spirit. It's His work in us. Then he goes on to elaborate how that work gets developed. Um, It's a work of God by the Holy Spirit, but he has a methodology for developing it and growing it in us. Um, Drop down to verse 11. And he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. So he says that he has given apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers that we may become mature, that we may grow into this unity. So it's something that is given by the Holy Spirit, then it's something that is developed and perfected and grown in us through those who are in authority over us as pastors, as teachers, as evangelists, as prophets, apostles. Amen? Um, it's a lifelong thing that we are, we are called to, to seek and, and attain. Um, and as we grow into maturity, it's, it's, it's less and less of us and more and more of him. That, that's where unity is found, is that we are presenting less of ourselves, more of him all the time. And that's a lifelong sanctification. What does this tell? Any thoughts? Any thoughts? I said I need help this morning. No thoughts? <laughs> An Old Testament reference to this unity is in Psalm 133. I think you have that, Cindy, if you want to read that. Psalm 133. How good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down upon the collar of his robes. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. So there's lots we could say about that. That's one of our favorite psalms around here to talk about how good and pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. It's like... The oil on Aaron's beard is like the dew from Mount Hermon that finally falls upon Mount Zion. There the Lord commands a blessing. There's so much in that. But that's an Old Testament um, reference to God's, God's desire, his love for unity amongst his family. And there 
He commands the blessing. Out of that comes the blessing. So, okay, let's take a step back here and look at the context. Like I said, we've been in this John 17 for a long time. Let's look at the context of this one chapter where we have the longest recorded prayer of Jesus, where he is praying, as we just saw, not only for the men that were in the room with him, but he's praying for every one of us who would believe in 2020 through their word. But look at the context of where this prayer. What's coming next? What's Jesus facing as he prays this prayer? Uh, he's facing the Garden of Gethsemane, the oil press where he will be pressed and squeezed. He's facing betrayal by Judas. He's facing the soldiers coming, Peter cutting off the soldier of the ear and Jesus doing his last healing of putting the ear back on. He is he's facing intimidation, persecution, arrest, beating, standing before Caiaphas, standing before Pilate, his trial and his crucifixion. This is what Jesus is staring right at. This is what's coming next as he is praying for his disciples and as he's praying for us. So just kind of keep that in mind. As he's praying for us in the days we're living in, he is facing just the most evil and and um, passionate, I, I'm just at a loss for words, you know what he's facing. That's the context of this of this prayer. So let's continue on. Verse 22, And the glory which thou, God, has given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, just as we are one. I in them, and thou in me, that they may be perfected in unity, that the world may know that thou didst send me, and did love them, even as thou didst love me. Father, I desire that they also, whom thou hast given me, be with me where I am, in order that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me. For thou didst love me before the foundation of the world. Wow, that's a mouthful, right? But let's, let's focus for a moment on that word glory. Verse 22, And the glory which thou hast given me, I've given them that, what? They may be one. Okay. Let's define, we defined unity. Let's define glory. What is, what is he saying? Glory, God, that you've given me, I'm now giving them. I still believe he's talking not only to the man in the room with him, but he's continuing to say this applies to those who will believe. So this is for you and me. Okay? So this is pretty important. If he's giving us this kind of glory, what, what is this he is, he is wanting to bestow upon us? The word glory in Greek is doxa. And if I read that in the lexicon, it means to think, recognize for what a person or a thing is. Basically in the Bible, refers to the recognition belonging to a person, honor, renown. Doxa embraces all which is excellent in the divine nature, coinciding with his self-revelation. It comprises all that God will appear to be in his final revelation to us all. So, glory means seeing God as he really is, in his fullness, the unveiling, 
the revelation of who God really is. And he says that glory, that revelation, that unveiling of who you are, which you've given me, I'm giving to them. Anyone who wants to know the Father may know the Father because Jesus has prayed that the glory, the the full revelation of who the Father is, which has been manifested through him, can be given then. He, he, He invites us to partake of it, right? And so this tells me something then that reinforces a point I made earlier. To be one, to have this unity that seems the Holy Spirit seems to have been talking to us about lately. The key is that we are all gazing upon the same thing. The revealed person of God. The key to unity. Let's say you're starting a church. Let's say you're starting a Bible study. You're, you're doing some work for God and you want unity. The key is not a set, your set of beliefs. We already said the key is not we're all perfect people. Forget that. Don't even start. <laughs> the key is not your creed, your your um, your agenda, your program. The key is a revelation of who God really is by the Holy Spirit. That will bring us into one as we're all gazing upon the same God. Amen? And we ex- we experience that, don't we? We're all different people and we all have different stories, but we all love Jesus and we we want more and more revelation of who he is and who the Father is. And as we come together and we seek that, we feel a oneness, don't we? And we thank God that we have that environment like here in this office, that we get to work in an environment where we are all looking upon the same God and he's showing himself to us. So praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Your prayer for us is being answered. <laughs> Okay, let's let's bring this home. Verse 23, just again, I'm just trying to say, what, what did Jesus ask the Father to do for you, Kaylee? What did Jesus ask the Father to do for us? They're, they're just mind-blowing things. So in verse 23, he says, I in them and thou in me, that they may be perfected in unity. Again, that the world may know. There's a purpose. He doesn't want us to just dwell in unity for unity's sake. He wants us to have a testimony. And that's where, Rick, would you please read um, Revelation 19.10, our our, uh, theme from Rekindle the Flame this year. Revelation 19.10. Yeah. It talks about... uh, And I, and I fell at his feet to worship him. Mm-hmm. And he said unto me, See, you do it not. I am your fellow servants and your brethren who have testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Do you want to say anything about that, Rick? Oh, John just took the microphone away. Okay. But he has prayed now that we be perfected in unity so that we might have a testimony of Jesus. So that we might prophesy to the world of who he is. 
We might walk in the prophetic and, and pray prophetically and prophesy His will. Amen? Okay. If you look at... Uh, there we go. When you started on, verse, <laughs> on chapter 17. Yeah. John 17. Okay. Uh, John 17. And you read verse 20. Yes. Uh, Jesus is here. He's talking about the glory and the unity. But he began with affirming a prophetic movement. Where is it? Um, praying for those who will believe in in him through their word. That, right. that they are going to go and spread the right. word. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, looking forward That's to prophetic, yeah. Yeah, amen. Great point. So, um, in 24... What is Jesus' desire as he's going to face, as I just said, the context of this, this chapter, he's about to face the most horrible night any human being has ever spent, right? What is his desire? What's in his heart as he knows he's going to walk out that door and that's what he's going to face? He's, he's saying, Father, I want them to be with me where I am. I want them to behold your glory. Because you've planned this from the foundation of this world, that these men would be my disciples, and through their word, many, 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 hundreds of thousands would believe and come in and be with me. He's, he wants to get back his, the family for his father. You know, when man fell, God lost his family. And Jesus died. He died because he loves you and me, and he wants us. But he also died because he loves his father, and he wanted to get his father's inheritance, his father's family back for him. So he says, I'm, I, he's saying, they will be with me where I am. That also is prophetic. He is prophesying our place in eternity. Um, so another scripture, Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Let's read that. Because I want you to see Jesus' attitude, his mindset in these last few hours as he's praying this prayer and facing what's outside that door. So this is his attitude, his mindset. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Okay. So it says, have this same attitude of Jesus. The same attitude that he has, as we see, as we meet him here in John 17. In our time, right now, in our time of turmoil of uncertainty, of fear, COVID, all this stuff going on, school shutting down, society upended. Have this attitude of Jesus, even as he was facing his own upheaval and COVID. <laughs> um, what, in the midst of that, what was foremost on his heart? Us. Us. And so he said, the scripture then in Hebrews says, have that same attitude in yourself. Don't just think, how am I going to get through this? Be in a spirit of prophecy. 
prophesying that that many are going to come to know that there's going to be revival that there's going to be good things God has a desire for us that we be in unity that we behold his glory that we we gaze upon him that we have one another he has great desires for us even at the worst of times have that same attitude okay verse 25 I've got to wrap up O righteous father although the world has not known thee Yet I have known thee. That explains a whole lot. <laughs> it says the world does not know him. If the only thing that brings unity is we're all gazing upon him, well then that just explains it. Why out in the world, and even within many parts of what's called the church, there is no unity. There is no truth. Evil prevails. Opinions, lies Media, fake news, fear-mongering. I mean, right now we're walking around in a sci-fi movie. And I would, I would submit to you as a bad movie. <laughs> bad sci-fi movie. Why? why? And we're going, why? How can all this be? How can the world be so crazy? It says right here, because the world does not know him. Um, the... Something that is impossible for the world, something that's impossible for us, unity, is only wrought through knowing, through gazing upon God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So verse 26, And I have made thy name known to them, and will make it known. Again, there's another prophetic statement. He's going to keep on doing this work through the Holy Spirit in us. That the love wherewith thou didst love me may be in them, and I in them. In the Hebrew culture, the name represents the essence of who the person is. It was very important when you gave a name, because that described, in essence, like Jacob. His name meant usurper. But then God changed his name to Israel, who means one who strives with God, and God has conquered him. The name sums up the person. So when he says, I have made thy name known to them, he doesn't just mean the name. He means who you are, the entirety of who you are. I have made known to them, and I will make it known. He is saying right before he walks out the door, I'm not going to stop. All the way to the believers in 2020, I will continue making God's name known, who he is. I will be doing this for you. That the love wherewith thou didst love me may be in them. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I don't know how to love the way you want me to love, but he's going to be working and making. Again, it's only by gazing upon God and knowing who he is that I even have a concept of what love is. And then he can give that love to me, and it can be in me. So Jesus promises he's going to continue to reveal God to the end that his love lives in us and works through us. Praise God. Um, Somebody has Isaiah 48, 40 verse 8. Kaylee has it. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Amen. What we just read here, this prayer, is the word of our God. Jesus is the word. So this prayer is as potent and powerful and spirit-filled as it was 2,000 years ago. 
It must have been something to be in that room and hear Jesus praying for you as his disciples. But I want us to see ourselves in that room and know he's praying for us, this, this prayer. This is his prayer for you and me today. Um, so to sum up, what did he pray? That we have unity with one another in the body. Not with the world, because the world does not know him, but with one another. That we be people of prayer. That we behold God's glory. And finally, that God's love be in us. And just to bring this full circle, Colossians 3.14. And then we're going to pray and end. Colossians 3.14, Kaylee. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfect of perfectness. Oh, so that one, that translation uses charity. So, which is fine. But let me read it. Let me read it here in this version. Um, 3.14. And beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. See, he ends with love, he starts with unity. That's what I wanted to say. I want to bring it full circle. That the result of this unity should be that God's love is in us, working and binding us together and also prophesying into the lives of others. Amen? Is this, is this coming together? So, Jesus, I just want to end with prayer and I want to thank you for praying for me. I want to thank you for praying for us. I thank you, Jesus, that this is your will for us. <laughs> These things that are so far beyond our comprehension, our reach, are what you want for us. And I thank you, Jesus, that this will be done and accomplished in us because you prayed it and your prayer will be answered. So where we feel discouraged about disunity, we feel discouraged that we're not seeing you as clearly as we want to <laughs> and not able to gaze upon your glory as clearly, where we're feeling discouraged that we just don't have the love right now, we're not feeling the love, <laughs> I thank you, God, that you have prayed that this be for us so it will be done. Um, so, Lord, today I just speak for myself and, and others. I receive it, Lord. I need it. I want it. I want this unity. I want this attitude that was in Jesus. I want your glory. I want your love. I can't change the world. I don't want the world. But I do want you to change me and fulfill this prayer in me. And I, I pray this with thanksgiving and give all glory to you. Amen. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Cresce em beleza, força e luz Rosa de sarol Queima a impureza do meu ser
Brilha a luz que é no do meu viver. 